Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Montel Weekly Podcast, bringing you energy matters in an informal setting. In today's pod, we take another deep dive into geopolitics and the Israel-Hamas conflict in particular. While Israel and Egypt are not huge exporters of gas to Europe, any escalation of the conflict between Israel and Hamas could have more far-reaching implications for global energy markets. The CEO of Italy's Eni warned of potential gas price risks earlier this week due to the tensions in the region. Helping me, Richard Sverson, to delve deep into these concerns is Agata Wachot Strakota of Bruegel. A warm welcome to you, Agata. Good morning and thank you for inviting me here. Uh, last last week we talked a little bit about the Baltic connector, which now seems to appear to be more accidental rather than act of sabotage. But the focus in energy markets and certainly on wholesale gas markets in particular is on what's happening. The tragic events unfolding in, in the Middle East, Agata. Let's talk a little bit about the energy market, if we can call it that, in the region. For example, how reliant is Israel on, on gas? So Israel, like in, in two recent decades, had significantly increased its dependence on gas. In early 2000s, it didn't consume gas at all. And with the development of its fields, offshore fields, most of all, it increased share of gas in its energy mix to 40% and then in electricity generation up to 70%. So it's huge when we compare that to what we have in Europe. And what is the situation at the Tamar offshore gas field and, and the East Mediterranean gas pipeline? So a conflict, in fact, in Gaza uh, is really close to to second biggest uh, gas field of Israel, offshore field of Tamar, and Israeli government asked or, in fact, instructed Israel, uh, Chevron, who is the operator of the field, to suspend production activities on this field. So there is no more production from Tamar. And similarly, Israeli government instructed Chevron to halt for a moment temporarily flows via Eastern uh, Mediterranean gas pipeline, the pipeline which connects Israel directly to Egypt. So it has two at least implications. First is for Israeli domestic market because Tamar, as I said, second biggest field in Israel, used to supply mostly domestic consumption in Israel. That is why Israeli electricity plants right now some part of the, them are switching to alternative fuels, but if a conflict gets prolonged, there is a chance that the, Israel will cut exports uh, in order to be uh, able to supply um, its own customers. And then the second thing is EMG pipeline, East Mediterranean pipeline. So half of these pipelines means end via this route of exports to Egypt. And these exports were done from the, fair, the the biggest field. This is Leviathan field. And they were rerouted, but only partially to another pipeline, Arab gas pipeline. This pipeline links Egypt, Israel via your, uh, Jordan. And that means that only part of uh, flows from uh, Leviathan, which were directed to Egypt, can flow via the alternative route. So it's in effect cutting off flows both to Egypt and Jordan at the moment? Well, no, it's diminishing flows to Egypt and uh, diminishing, diminishing supply to, to Israel. Jordanian flows are uh, sustained and 
as for now, flows to Egypt are decreased by around 20%. But we have to remember that Egypt had already had quite substantial uh, problems, internal problems related to rising in summertime demand for gas due to droughts, due to higher electricity demand. Egypt uh, is in fact even more dependent on gas than Israel is. Mm, and so it's in summertime halted totally exports to Europe from its two uh, LNG export terminals. And right now in October, it was uh, about to restart these exports. And then the decrease in flows uh, from Israel came in and that puts a question mark, increases uncertainty when it comes to capability of Egypt to actually export LNG in winter time to Europe or to global markets in general. But are those, how sizable are those those exports, uh, Agatha? I mean, well, last winter, according to Restat estimates, it was about, well, a bit less than 4 million tons of LNG that Egypt exported. Uh, in whole 2022, it was uh, about 7 million tons. And out of that, I think 5 million tons went to Europe. They went to Europe because there were highest prices there. So it is uh, much, uh, to, to the biggest extent, price-driven the direction of this export. Still, in a, a conditions of very tight global markets, big uncertainty uh, in Europe when it comes to what happens in wintertime, every molecule cancel, even these small decreases in availability of gas in, in, in global scale count. And then e Egypt is relatively close to European markets. It's close to Turkey, it's close to Greece, and then it's close to uh, Italy, which is quite big, depending on, on both Middle Eastern and North African flows for its gas supply security, especially since it decided to phase out Russian uh, inputs. So, so this is where we are at the moment then, Agata, that it's, you know, without tensions are very high, but there hasn't been so far an escalation in the conflict. But even even so, flows are, 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 are massively reduced and the implications that it looks unlikely that the flows will will continue in the same way as they did last year to, to Europe from, from the region. Yes, unless we have a very quick end to the conflict, but it doesn't seem so actually, yes. And then... We know that this uncertainty and then the conflict which is there, uh, even in the uh, small scale, also uh, raises concerns of investors. So we may well expect delays in, in investments in new upstream fields, especially in Israel. There was expansion of Tamar plant. There was uh, some uh, new phase of Leviathan field plant and Chevron even planned to, you know, uh, put a floating uh, regasification and storage unit at Leviathan to enable Israel to directly export its gas um, to world or European markets. So that may be postponed for sure. But also other projects which were, you know, um, considered in the region. Actually, development of gas fields uh, in Israel and uh, need to find, you know, markets for this gas enabled regional cooperation. So Israeli gas started to be exported, as I said, to Jordan and started to be exported to Egypt. And then Israel had an interest in building infrastructure, which connects its country with its Arab neighbors or maintaining it or uh, it had also an interest in using 
potentially Egyptian LNG terminals, etc. So all that and then the dialogue and cooperation and quite concrete, you know, uh, profits for every side. And uh, that enabled actually progress in this East Mediterranean format talks, which were, you know, a bit difficult for years. And uh, actually, there were prospects also for development of offshore field in Lebanon, which is very close to Israeli field Karish and to maritime border, and which was kind of disputed. But then there was some progress in that. There were talks even about Israeli allowing for developing a marina gas field near uh, Gaza Strip in, in, by Palestine. So, so, so this was both about development of gas, enabling more gas flowing in the region and outside of the region, but it was also about building trust. It was fought as a confidence building measure. And that's why it was also supported somehow by both US and the EU. And I think that this conflict at least freezes all that developments in the region. And if it gets, you know, longer or bloodier or expanded, it can... Uh, pretty well derail what was achieved. And the worst case scenario is that the uh, projects which are currently being developed right right now, they, they cease to, you know, to work. So even you say it could be frozen or it could even be reversed, you know. Um, uh, yeah. yeah, that's the biggest fear, actually. Well, if, you know, economic or energy cooperation was to somehow enable building peace and cooperation. So if there is a war, then that gas cooperation somehow becomes much more difficult. You talk in a recent report, Agata, about um, a regional energy hub in the eastern Mediterranean. Is that off the table? Well, I would say that there is a big uncertainty and question mark about that, because as I said, some projects are, you know, at least delayed or frozen. We don't know how the conflict develops, and that will, uh, in fact, uh, you know, uh, enable us to say what's the prospect for the gas hub. What's the prospect for, for example, using by both Israel and Cyprus because that was the needs of Egyptian LNG terminals. What's the prospect of building together a gas pipeline on the Mediterranean seabed? Uh, that is a big <laughs> investment that is kind of complicated technical endeavor and that requires peace and cooperation. And then we know that, for example, Turkey was very much interested recently in talking with Israel about energy. I know that these talks right now are, again, frozen, delayed, at least, because maybe they just won't happen anymore. Yeah, we, we hope for the best, but it's not looking that good at the moment. But um, if we can then focus on, before talking about the wider implications, talking about the exports to Europe. I mean, do you expect uh, exports to Italy uh, over the winter from Egypt then to come to a complete stop? It seems that Egypt, until the conflict lasts, has either minima or none capacity to, to export LNG. And that means that exports from Egypt will not come to Italy or Greece or Turkey. That means that Italy will need, or and Greece and Turkey seek for these LNG volumes on global markets. And that will make LNG gas imports via these countries more expensive because of risk premium and because of higher transportation costs, of course. And that will make global gas market much more tight. Well, not much, but a little bit more tight. tight. And then the market is very jittery as well. It's a very nervous market at the moment. We're not really out of the energy crisis. You know, in some ways, the fundamentals 
are fairly good, you know, in terms of LNG supply. We've had the mild weather. There are other factors such as the French nuclear availability. I'm talking here in the European context. Um, but, uh, you know, there, as the Baltic Connector incident showed, the LNG strike in Australia, you know, prices, there's, there's very little needed for prices to, to spike, really, in, in, the, in the current circumstances. But Let's talk, you know, in the worst case scenario, Agata, you know, the, the conflict escalates and potentially other uh, regional players are brought in. Um, what, what can this do to, for example, you know, flows of or, or supplies of LNG through the Suez Canal? Uh, could that be impacted? Well, I certainly am not an expert in conflicts, mm. but I wouldn't bet on Egypt to block totally to halt close via, via, via Suez Canal. I think it's a major source of income for Egypt and that actually Egypt would hurt itself and then it would have broader impacts than just, you know, impact on Israel. It would impact European Union, it would impact Turkey, etc., etc. So I wouldn't think that it can really, at least for long term, be blocked. Similarly with uh, Strait of Hormuz, because if conflict gets wider, then there are question marks about Muslim world, about other countries, and then about potential involvement of Iran or Qatar, especially that we've seen uh, uh, Hormuz Straits and problems with passage of, uh, of uh, Qatari tankers via, via these straits from time to time before the war, before the, co- before the conflict. But I wouldn't really think that they go for such extreme measures. I think actually that for Iran, it's very important to show that it, you know, it's absolutely against Israel actions in Gaza. And that, well, he was calling for, it was calling for, 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 all, for all embargo on, on Israel. But I wouldn't think that he, it, it's ready to, to, to have conflict expanded into it, its own soil. So I, I would think there will be some moderation in, let's say, measures until they're taken. So so you think the fears there of what could happen around the Straits of Hormuz are, are overblown then, um, Agata? Well, I think it would require a very big conflict in the, uh, in the Middle East to, 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 to have that more permanently halted, the, the flows via, uh, via Straits of Hormuz. Because actually 80% of Qatari exports go via this um, uh, via these straits, and that would significantly impact trade in LNG, especially well in Europe. Absolutely, that, I mean that's what the big concerns are, the fears in the market that these Qatari exports could be, in, to some extent, curtailed, especially when they're most needed over the winter. But you would be a little bit, you don't share all those concerns, Agatha, if I if I judge you. Well, not that much. I'm, yeah, I'm, I, I mean Qatar is very much interested in. Sustaining or even increasing its gas relationship with European Union, we saw just three big long-term contracts being signed, and I think Qatar, but also other countries of the region, are somehow uh, taking advantage of um, Europe decoupling from Russian gas and aiming at having a bigger role on the European market and earning on rising prices. So yes, we may think that sustaining uncertainty, increasing prices is in their interest, yet I don't know if, you know, um, halting the flows uh, is uh, something that's, you know, 
would be done on purpose because of course war is kind of unpredictable creatures <laughs> we don't know what would be uh, actual you know accidental um, impacts of the war but again we for now we are talking about conflict which is concentrated in Israel Gaza which did not get expanded and let's hope that it stays so exactly or that there's some kind of conflict resolution as well but if I can ask you because I mean I, I think it you, it should not be forgotten that in the middle of the Russia-Ukrainian war that there's all the, the Russian invasion of Ukraine gas is still flowing into the Ukraine I mean not to the same extent it was obviously before the before the invasion but it's still it's still flowing um, and the LNG, Russian LNG well, is still flowing into Europe as well well, uh, uh, Russian gas is flowing via Ukraine, but it's not flowing to Ukraine. And yes, this is the fact. There was no European sanction on Russian gas. That means two things. One, that Europe is still vulnerable and was not able to agree on introducing sanctions on Russian gas. But B, that in conditions on tight market and of winter time, we may expect that... Russia may decide to use gas instrument maybe for the last time because it still has some impact on how the uh, situation on the European gas market develops. Mm. So it's still got that joker up its sleeve, you think, Agata, with the, uh, certainly on the LNG yeah. side of things? Yeah, I, I think it does. I'm not sure if Russia wants to use that because, of course, these sanctions introduced, in fact, by Russia of halting majority of gas flows to Europe hurt Russia and they uh, translate into decreased production in Russia. So, I mean, uh, it depends on how, you know, Moscow, how Kremlin, you know, makes their calculus. And yeah, I'm not I'm not the person <laughs> to answer that probably correctly. Sure. But um, if, if we can, I mean, we've talked in recent podcasts about the vulnerability of energy infrastructure. And we, we do see, uh, you know, there's 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 a, in, a subsea infrastructure from North Africa to Europe. Will do you think we're likely, in light of the conflict, in light of also the the concerns about uh, these pipelines, do you think there's going to be more fears about some instance that could could occur on this kind of um, subsea infrastructure? Well, I think there are already increased fears due to, as you all know. Uh, Nord Stream 1 and 2 explosions and due to uh, recent accident with Baltic Connector. Even though uh, we heard that it was accidental, it all raises fears. And uh, it also shows that such accidents impact the market. So if there are those evil uh, actors who intend to uh, play on uncertainty or increase risks or increase prices or just hurt European mm, consumers, then this may be the target. And the, the, the instability and crisis in Middle East plays well into, you know, these fears and enables, you know, perhaps some actions by one or the other uh, sides. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the danger's probably never been been higher than it is at the moment, or certainly the the concerns are are, are very high uh, given the recent incidents that that you named there, Agata. But do you think um, does does the conflict um, highlight you know the the reliance of the EU on gas from the Middle East? Do you think that um, you know should 
instead of locking in more LNG deals, instead of, you know, um, securing infrastructure, do you think that the EU should focus more on, 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 on ending its dependence on, on gas? I think, first of all, it highlights that we are living in very, very fragile, unsecure, unstable times, and that international trade in general uh, is, you know, at risk to some extent, and especially uh, international trade in strategic goods, and gas is one of such goods. Then it highlights the dangers of dependency. So it shows that we need to diversify very well both sources, routes, and contracts, yes, because all that makes us, well, more resilient, even if there are different insecurities in this import basket. And I think it shows that currently it's very hard to escape uncertainty. So, of course, it may and it will probably push uh, European countries into uh, speeding up decarbonization efforts. We saw that already as an effect of uh, Russian aggression against Ukraine. But we have to bear in mind one thing that it will mean, if you know, implemented in wider scale, a decreasing a shrinking market for, for, for gas. And shrinking market may bring losers and those who profit. And if we have losers among producers, it may inflict further conflict. So, I mean, yeah, it's not very positive. <laughs> but but it's, a, it's a very complex picture as well, Agata, isn't it? I mean, it, you, there are so many elements here. But if we look maybe into the shorter term, into the weeks and months ahead, I mean, do you expect, um, you know, the market to remain very nervous and, and prices to remain volatile? Yes, I do. I think, you know, this conflict will not end quickly. We are entering winter season, so gas consumption in Europe will rise. And uh, any small event when it comes to supply side or increasing demand will make the prices nervous. So unfortunately, it will remain very volatile and vulnerable. Yes. Agata, thank you very much for being a guest on the Monta Weekly Podcast. Thank you very much for inviting me here.